Lesson number 161, Surah Taha, ayah number 77 to 104. وَلَقَدْ And certainly, أَوْحَيْنَا We revealed إِلَى مُوسَى To Musa, alayhi salam. And that, أَسْرِ Travel at night. بِعِبَادِي With my servants. Leave by night. Leave where? Leave what? Egypt. In the previous ayat, we learned about how Musa salam he was given prophethood. He was equipped with miracles. And he was sent to Fir'aun with two messages. And what were they? First and foremost, there is only one God worthy of worship. And who is that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And secondly, that Fir'aun should not oppress the Bani Israel and let them go. He should not enslave the children of Israel and he should let them go. Let them go where? To their home. So what happened? Musa salam when he came and he delivered this message to Fir'aun, Fir'aun he tried to detract him from his goal several times by asking questions that would cause fitna, that would cause people to become upset with Musa salam. Controversial issues he brought up, but Musa salam he stayed on topic. He conveyed the message Fir'aun, he challenged him. He said, okay, if you show us your magic, we will show us our magic. He called the miracles magic. So Fir'aun, he collected all of his magicians, skilled magicians, and he brought them to show their magic in competition with Musa salam. So a place was fixed, a time was fixed, and Musa salam confidently he went. And before the magicians displayed their magic, Musa salam he warned them very sternly. He warned them. And what happened? The magicians showed their magic. Musa salam through his staff, he showed his miracle. And his staff turned into a snake that ate up all of the magic that the magicians had produced. What was the reaction of the magicians? They surrendered immediately. Because you see, a person who is a master of something, they can tell what is original and what is not original. Right? They can tell what is part of what they do and what is not. So for instance, those magicians, they were expert magicians. They weren't ordinary magicians. So when they saw what Musa salam did, they knew that it had surpassed the magic that they knew. It had surpassed it by all means. This is similar to how there were some Arabs, their poetry was amazing. But when they heard a few verses of the Qur'an, they said, you know what, that's it we're not going to open our mouth again. Because if we open our mouth, and we try to say any verses of poetry, we'll be embarrassing ourselves. Because the Qur'an has completely surpassed any level of poetry. You know, this is similar to how, if you're playing a game, alright, on your phone, and you have, you know, the best score, okay? And then your friend one day says, you know what, I'm really good at this game, let me play as well. Alright, and they play that game on your phone, and they beat your highest score. Are you going to bother playing in competition with them? You're going to be like, you know what? I give up. I give up. I admit my failure. I accept that you have won. So the magicians, they completely surrendered. They said, this is not magic. And what Musa has brought is definitely the truth. And Fir'aun's greatest fear, greatest fear came to be true. And what was that fear? That his people were going to believe in Musa a.s. So imagine, the thousands of magicians, they believed. Fir'aun instantly he threatened them. How dare you believe in Musa? 
I am going to kill every single one of you. And he didn't just say kill. How did he say that? That I'm going to cut off your hands and feet from opposite sides and I'm going to crucify you. But the magicians, did they give up? No. Because once a person recognizes the truth and he truly believes in it, then Allah gives him firmness and stability. That no matter what he faces, no matter what difficulty comes his way, he does not give up. And in this was a great lesson for the Muslims who were being persecuted in Mecca. Because you see Bilal anhu how he was being persecuted? Uthman anhu. So many companions who were of noble background, but still they were being beaten, they were being physically abused. Women, men, nobody was spared. Whether they were rich or they were poor, they were slaves or whoever, no believer was being spared. Even the Prophet ﷺ, who was considered one of the most noble men of Makkah. What was Abu Lahab doing to him? What was Abu Jahl doing to him? But this story served as a great motivation for the oppressed believers. That you think what you're facing is bad? Think about what the magicians faced. Look at how they were persecuted. And Fir'aun, literally, he killed every single one of them. He killed every single one of them. And this is why the companions have said that these people, these men, they were magicians in the morning. And by the end of the day, they were martyrs. They were martyrs. You see, they came in the morning competing with Musa challenging the Prophet of Allah in opposition to the Prophet of Allah. And by the end of the day, look at how their fate completely changed. They died in the way of Allah. They gave their lives in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now after this incident, Musa salam remained in Egypt for several years. And that portion is not mentioned in these verses because that detail is mentioned elsewhere. And when he stayed in Egypt for several years, Fir'aun was given many warnings. One you know, warning after the other. And we learned about that earlier. How for instance the water turned to blood and how one infestation literally after another. Right? Frogs and lice and bugs and locusts and so on and so forth. But what happened each time there was a problem, Fir'aun knew that he had to go to Musa. So he would go to Musa and he would say, you make dua to your Lord. Ask him to remove this affliction from us. If it's removed, we will believe in you and we will do whatever you tell us. We will let the Bani Israel go. So Musa he would make dua. The affliction would be removed. And when Musa would go to Fir'aun, okay, let the Bani Israel go, he would say, yeah, what? What? What are you talking about? I don't know what you're saying. He would completely go against his word. And this happened numerous times. So then what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Musa salam, and that is what is mentioned in this ayah, وَلَقَدْ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَى We revealed to Musa that don't wait anymore now. You don't need Fir'aun's permission. You don't need Fir'aun to let the Bani Israel go, to set them free. No. Now Fir'aun's time is over, his chances are over. Now you must take the Bani Israel away from here. And how do you do that? An asri bi'ibadi. Asri, from the word Isra. And what does this mean? To travel in the night. So leave at night. Don't leave during the day, in broad daylight when everybody is watching you. No. Secretly at night when Fir'aun and his people are sleeping, the Bani Israel should leave Egypt quietly. And notice the word that is used over here for Bani Israel, ibadi, my servants. Why? Because the people who believed in Musa salam were not just the Bani Israel. There were also some people from 
the Egyptians, the people of Fir'aun, who had believed in Musa a.s. You know that? There were some people from the family of Fir'aun, from the locals who had believed in Musa a.s. Some of them were concealing their faith, and some of them had publicized it. So for instance, the wife of Fir'aun even, she had believed. Allahu a'lam whether she migrated with Musa a.s. or not, but certainly she believed. She was actually killed by Fir'aun. So she didn't get to migrate. right? But anyway, there were people from the people of Fir'aun who believed in Musa a.s. So, an asri bi'ibadi. Leave with them during the night. Fadrib lahum. And when you leave with them, fadrib, then you strike lahum for them. Tariqun a path. Where? Fil bahri. In the sea. And this path is going to be yabasan. Dry. It's not going to be wet. Because... The direction in which Musa had to travel to, he was basically headed to Philistine. Alright? And on the way, obviously, there was a sea, Red Sea. Now, Musa is told that when you reach there, what will happen? What do you have to do? Fadrib lahum tariqan. Fadrib, literally, daraba means to hit, to strike. But you know that the word daraba is not limited to that. It gives many meanings. So fadrib over here gives a sense of make. Alright? Make for them fil bahri in the sea, meaning a path, tariqan fil bahr, and this tariq should be yabas. Yabas from the root letter is yabasin, and yabas is that which is dry. What is dry? That which is not wet, without any water. It's not wet at all, it's not damp. Now this is amazing. Musa a.s. when he reaches the sea, and remember that the Bani Israel had left in the night, as the morning approached, Fir'aun and his people realized that the Bani Israel had escaped. So what happened? They pursued the Bani Israel. In the Qur'an we learn, Mushriqeen, as the morning was coming in, they were also going after the Bani Israel in order to catch them, in order to stop them from escaping. So now there came a point where Musa and the Bani Israel are before them is the Red Sea, and behind them is the army of Fir'aun. Alright? And Musa is standing there and the Bani Israel is panicking. Alright? They're panicking. And this is mentioned in very explicit terms in the Quran that how they said that we have been overtaken. We are doomed. We are ruined. You know, we can go nowhere and behind us is Fir'aun, we're done with. So Musa salam, he said, Kalla inna ma'i rabbi sayahdeen. No way. Fir'aun cannot overtake us because with me is my Lord and he will guide me. He will show us the way. And Allah did show them the way. What was Musa salam told? Throw your staff into the river. And when he did that, the water parted. And when it parted, there was literally a path. There was literally a road through the water that led the Bani Israel from one side to the other. And this path, Allah says, Yabas, dry. Dry. And this is why it was a miracle. Because if there is mud somewhere, alright, and the water is removed from there, that mud is going to be wet. Have you ever gone to the beach? What happens? When the tide is high, alright, when the water is far, the sand is covered with the water, right? With the waves. But as they withdraw, then what happens? The sand is still wet. Alright? It's wet. And sometimes it's wet for days. But this is amazing how the water parted and the path in the middle was yabas. لا تخاف دركا. He is told, you shall not fear darak. What does darak mean? This is from the word idrak. T 
to catch up, to perceive, alright, to attain. Literally the word darak is used for a rope which is tied with another rope so that one is able to reach the depths of the water. So for instance, divers, as they're going down, 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 right? They reach the max. So what do they have to do? They have to lengthen, they have to extend their rope. So it's the rope that helps them go deeper and deeper. Alright, so with the rope, they manage to reach their destination, their goal. So, لا تخاف دركن. You shall not fear being overtaken. ولا تخشى. Nor will you be afraid. Notice, تخافوا تخشى. Both mean, both mean what? Fear. Right? تخشى خشية. خشية is to be afraid of the enormity of something. The magnitude of something. So, you will not be afraid of what? Of drowning. Because imagine you see wall of water on your right and a wall of water on your left. I mean, just the sight of that would instill fear in your heart. Have you ever seen huge tides? And then you see people surfing. You wonder, what are they thinking? Right? You know, that man looks so small compared to that tide. It's amazing. So you will not have any fear as you go through. Because you will not drown. You will not be overtaken. Allah will protect you. Now, this story was a reassurance for the Prophet wasallam, Because... Even the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims in Makkah, they were surrounded by their enemy. They were living in the midst of their enemy. And in this story was great hope for them. That Allah saved Musa ﷺ and the Bani Israel, and Allah will save you too. So you don't fear, لا تَخَافُ دَرَكًا وَلَا تَخْشَى You don't fear your enemy. You don't be afraid that something terrible is going to happen. No, you do your part and Allah will do His part. You continue in your way, you continue in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you continue in your worship of Allah alone and Allah will protect you from every possible danger and harm. That is His responsibility. So leave that to Him. Leave your affair to Allah. Entrust it to Him. He protected Musa, He will protect you too. فَأَتْبَعَهُمْ فِرْعَوْنُ So Fir'aun pursued them. But as Allah had promised, Fir'aun would never overtake the Bani Israel. فَأَتْبَعَهُمْ فِرْعَوْنُ And Fir'aun did not come alone. He came بِجُنُودِهِ With his armies, with his soldiers. فَغَشِيَهُمْ And Fir'aun, he followed the Bani Israel right into the sea. And what happened? As Fir'aun reached the middle of the sea, فَغَشِيَهُمْ So it covered them. مِنَ الْيَمِّ from the sea, ma that which غَشِيَهُمْ it covered them. فَغَشِيَهُمْ مِنَ الْيَمِّ مَا غَشِيَهُمْ You know when you hear the words فَغَشِيَهُمْ مِنَ الْيَمِّ So it covered them from the sea. You wonder what covered them? مَا غَشِيَهُمْ That which covered them. Meaning exactly what you think covered them. And what was that? Water. It completely, definitely, certainly covered them. So all of them were drowned. وَأَضَلَّ فِرْعَوْنُ قَوْمَهُ أَضَلَّ He misled. Who? فِرْعَوْنُ فِرْعَوْنُ Who did he mislead? قَوْمَهُ His people. He misled his people. وَمَا هَدَى And he did not guide them. The sea that turned into a dry path for Musa السلام, and his people, the same sea enveloped Fir'aun and his people. 
And Allah says, Fir'aun misled his people. He did not guide them. In this world, he misled them. How? He led them straight into the water. He led them straight into drowning. And this is what he was doing to his people in religious terms as well. He was not guiding them. He was misleading them. وَمَا هَذَا He led his people into their own destruction. Because he himself was drowned in misguidance. Right? So those who followed him, they ended up in the same way. Those who followed him, he took them along as well. In his misguidance, in his error. وَأَضَلَّ فِرْعَوْنُ قَوْمَهُ وَمَا هَدَى And this also shows that the people of Egypt, the followers of Fir'aun, they obeyed Fir'aun without question, without reason, without even using their mind, without even thinking. So we really have to see who is it that we're following. Just because someone is moving their right leg doesn't mean we have to do the same thing. Just because someone is dressing up in one way or saying a certain word or watching something or going somewhere doesn't mean we have to imitate them. No, we don't have to. The only person we imitate is who? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Because he is our example. And the people today, we don't need to follow everything that they're doing. We need to use our mind. And especially when it comes to the matters of religion, we have to be very careful who is it that we're following. وَأَضَلَّ فِرْعَوْنُ قَوْمَهُ وَمَا هَذَا Just because someone is famous or just because someone has a big following doesn't mean we have to go after every word they say. Just because someone has a lot of influence and power and control and leadership, that doesn't mean we become blind. Fir'aun, he was a person of power, he was a person of great influence, and his people followed him blindly. So, وَأَضَلَّ فِرْعَوْنُ قَوْمَهُ وَمَا هَذَا And he led them to their destruction in this life, and he will also lead them to hellfire on the Day of Judgment. In Surah Hud, we have learned about this. That يَقْدُمُ قَوْمَهُ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ فَأَوْرَدَهُمُ النَّارِ He will lead his people on the Day of Judgment, where? To hellfire. He will bring them to hellfire. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the Bani Israel. Ya Bani Israel, O children of Israel, Qad anjaynakum. Certainly we saved you. We delivered you. We rescued you. From who? Min aduwikum, from your enemy. You could never have saved yourselves. We saved you. Because if you think about it, the Bani Israel living in Egypt, could they have escaped? I mean, if they tried to do this on their own, would they have survived? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not open the sea for them, if they were not under the leadership of Musa salam, could they have escaped? No way. So who saved them? Allah. Allah is the one who sent Musa salam. Allah is the one who opened the sea for them. Ya Bani Israel qad anjaynakum min aduwikum. There was no way you could have done this yourself. Allah is the one who saved you. وَوَعَدْنَاكُمْ And we made an appointment with you. Meaning we made an appointment, we made a wa'da, an appointment, kum, you, meaning for your sake, for your guidance. And where was this appointment? Janiba Tur, on the side of the Mount Tur. Which side? Al-Ayman, the right one. And this is where Musa was given prophethood. So we see that Musa when he crossed the sea, Fir'aun was drowned, Bani Israel was free. Musa he was to go to the Mount Tur. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had asked him to come there. 
Why? For the sake of the Bani Israel. Do you remember, we learned earlier, that when the Bani Israel crossed the sea, they saw some people worshipping idols. What did they say to Musa a.s.? Hmm? Yes, that, Ya Musa, اِجْعَلْ لَنَا إِلَهًا كَمَا لَهُمْ أَلِهَا O Musa, make an idol for us just as these people have idols. Can you imagine? The Bani Israel had been living amongst the Egyptians. And the Egyptians were what kind of people? What was their religion? They were polytheistic nation, right? They practiced polytheism. Multiple gods, idols. Idol worship was common. And when they crossed the sea and they saw those people worshipping idols, they were so impressed, they said, we want to do this too. Again, not using their mind. Just copying others. Just because something looks good, they wanted to do it as well. So, what do you think the Bani Israel needed? What do you think they needed? Before they needed shelter, and before they needed a place that they could call home, what was most essential for them? Guidance. Knowledge. Right? Because they were steeped in ignorance. They had forgotten the basics of their religion even. You know, for example, if you see a people who call themselves Muslim, all right, and they want to worship an idol, what would you say? Are you really Muslim? Like seriously? Are you guys Muslim? Because what is the sign of a Muslim? What is something basic about a Muslim? That he does not worship idols. This is one of the fundamental things of our religion, Tawheed. This is what sets us apart from every other faith. Belief in Allah, worship of Allah alone. So if a Muslim forgets this principle, what do you realize about that Muslim? That he's forgotten the basics even. He doesn't know even the basics of the deen. And you'll be amazed at how many Muslims are there today that are like this. You'll be amazed. We think, yeah, every Muslim knows La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. Every Muslim knows that you're supposed to worship Allah alone and Muhammad sallallahu is our messenger and we follow him and we obey him. We take it for granted. But there are so many Muslims that don't know this basic fact even. Many. Go to the Muslim world and you'll be shocked. Go talk to little children and you'll be shocked. They don't even know La ilaha illallah. They don't know that. You ask them what is salah, they have no clue. You ask them who's Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they have no idea. They don't know. You ask them about one thing, they tell you something else. Confused, jumbled up. Even the basics are forgotten. And there are many Muslim populations that are like that. So the Bani Israel were in a similar state. What did they need? Hidayah, knowledge. Allah rescued them. He saved their lives, but now they needed hidayah, knowledge as well. And this is the reason why the first thing that Musa was supposed to do once the Bani Israel were free, go to Mount Tur and receive divine guidance in the form of Torah. So, وَوَاعَدَنَاكُمْ We made a promise for you, we appointed for you, for your sake, for your guidance. جَانِبَ الطُورِ ayman. And meanwhile, while they were in the desert, because when they crossed the sea, they were in the desert, out in the open. And like I mentioned earlier, before even they needed homes and food and shelter, they needed hidayah. Right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not deprive them from shelter and food. وَنَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْكُمْ And we sent down upon you الْمَنَّ 
Man was salwa and salwa. So while they were still in the desert, Musa salam was gone to receive the Torah. The Bani Israel were not left hungry without any shelter. No. Allah sent to them man and salwa. Food from the sky was sent. They were served. Just to clarify, so when Musa salam talked the first time to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he did not have prophethood at that point? Like he wasn't granted prophethood at that point? He was given prophethood, but he was not given the Torah at that right. time. Right? So the first appointment at Mount Tur where Musa salam went, which we learned about earlier, when he saw the fire and he wanted to go. So he went there, he was given prophethood, he was given responsibility. But he was not given the Torah at that point. Alright? Now he went, got the Bani Israel freed after several years, and now he's supposed to go back to Mount Tur and then he is given the Torah. You know, it shows to us that the Bani Israel, when they were in Egypt, they couldn't really follow the law, which is why the law was not given. You understand? This is similar to how when the Prophet ﷺ was in Mecca, were the Muslims given the law with respect to money or inheritance or such things? No, all of that came later when the Muslims were free in Medina. They could practice the law. That's when it was given. And over here what is mentioned, وَنَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْكُمْ مَنَّ وَسَلْوَى Here only man and salwa is mentioned. But earlier we learned that when they were in the desert, even the clouds were sent to shade them. Right? And food was sent to them. And man, it refers to something sweet. And salwa refers to some kind of meat. And the closest thing that the scholars have come up with is salwa refers to quails, roasted quails. So a small bird which is a delicacy, the meat is tender. Alright? So manna wa salwa. Kulu, all of you eat min tayyibati of the good things ma razaqnakum which we have provided you. When Allah has given you a good thing, then use it, eat it. Kulu min tayyibati ma razaqnakum. Not that the good food is sitting rotting away and you are filling yourself with junk. No, if Allah has given you good food, eat it, use it, benefit from it. Wala tatgaw. And do not transgress. Fihi therein. Do not transgress therein. How? How is it that a person exceeds the bounds of eating? How? When he overeats. Right? Or when he hoards, or when he keeps all the good food only for himself. You know, for instance, you go to a party or something, and there's a whole lot of food at the table, and you stand in a line, and you go, and you just... Fill your plate with food. Out of this fear that what if I don't get a chance to get seconds? So just take as much as you want. I mean, you look at the size of the plate and you look at the size of the tummy and you wonder how is this going to go inside even? How is this food going to fit inside? And it doesn't. It doesn't. Because most of it ends up in the garbage. You didn't eat yourself and you prevented others from eating it as well. وَلَا تَطْغَوْ Do not transgress therein. The Bani Israel were specifically instructed that when the food comes down to you from the sky, don't hoard it, don't keep it all for yourself and don't save any. Save any in the sense that for the next day or for later on. Don't take it greedily. Go ahead. The food was really coming from the sky? Yes. Because Allah says, وَنَزَّلْنَا We sent down on you manna wa salwa. It was literally heavenly food. Because there were no kitchens there. It was the desert. 
Right? So it was heavenly food being sent to them. Bani Israel were very special people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really bestowed so many special favors on them. So many. So anyway, if there's free food, some people, or food or anything, some people will take only as much as they need. And others, what do they do? You never know. You might never see it again. So just take whatever you can. Just stuff everything into your bag. Really? Who thinks like this? Someone who does not have tawakkul. Someone who does not have trust in Allah. Someone who doesn't have faith in Allah. That if Allah is giving me today, He will also give me tomorrow. So this is why, just grab whatever. Even if you don't need it, take it. Even if you don't need it, take it. You know, it's like if there's a store that is closing down, right? And they say that there might be a liquidation sale or something. And the sale is hardly 20% off. What do you see? A lineup that is a mile long. A mile long. What are you saving? Five dollars? Sometimes not even that. A few cents. I was amazed. You know, I just accidentally happened to be in a store like this recently. And I genuinely, I needed something from there. Not that I went because of the sale. I had one item to pick up. And when I saw the lineup, I said, you know what? I think I can go somewhere else. I can go somewhere else. I don't need to stand in a line like this where people are buying things that they don't even need. They don't even need. Because when you look at the trolleys, you wonder, are you actually going to use all those diapers right now? Are you actually going to use up all of that toilet paper now? Why do you have to take 20 packs? Why do you have to take 5 packs? Seriously. How much money are you going to save? Similarly, when it comes to food, just because it's free, we take greedily, grab, 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 whatever, whatever you can, even if you don't want to eat it. Just take it, just take it, and then throw it away. Don't let others eat it. Throw it, but don't let others eat it. Take it all for yourself. For example, if you're working somewhere and you're getting $10 for a pair of hours and you're going to save some money, so calculate the time of the amount you're spending and spending the more. Yes. So put this price on the top of the price you're getting, see if it's cheap or not. Yeah. I mean, think time. Time is money. Time has value. In fact, time is the most important and limited resource that we have in this life. You know that? When it comes to money, when it comes to any other resource, there is an unlimited supply. There is more than you can consume, more than you can take. But when it comes to time, it is a very limited quantity for you. Amen. I was just realized that this is how the marketing works. You know, you open the magazine or you open a newspaper, everything is sale, sale, sale. And I realized that, subhanAllah, the more you have this dunya, the more you have nothing of the akhirah or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's face. Because even me, I know which story you're talking about because everybody kept calling, there's sale, there's sale, go, 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 go. And I'm like, I think it's me because of the lineup. I didn't want to stay. I was like, but then I was just thinking, I was like, the amount of time, the amount of effort in the akhirah, that you, the amount of time you want to put in this dunya is what's going to limit you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that lineup that we could have been studying or something, our lesson, yeah. it's longer than our lesson, I think, combined of a whole month, you yeah. know, maybe. And it's going towards a line of something you don't even necessarily need. Exactly. So the Bani Israel were clearly told, لا فِيهِ Do not transgress therein. By greedily taking everything, forgetting Allah, 
and or eating excessively or forgetting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on eating, right? Because when you eat, when you enjoy a blessing, who should you remember? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Withholding it, not sharing it, keeping it all for yourself, hoarding it. This is all tuhiyan. It was during that period, Musa a.s. was there with the Bani Israel and um, after some time he had to go to the Mount Tur. And as the Bani Israel crossed the sea, from that moment on, there was a cloud over them to shade them and they were also given food daily. And they were told, don't hoard any for tomorrow. Have trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, whenever we transgress concerning food, hmm, it's always going to go waste. The food is going to go waste. And it's not just with food, every other blessing. You know, for instance, if you have more clothes than you need, more shoes than you need, more plastic bags even than you need. You know, for instance, we love to go to certain stores because they give plastic bags for free. Like seriously, anything that you have in excess, it's going to become a burden for you. It's going to become a burden for you. It's going to be a source of regret for you. If you do that, فَيَحِلَّ عَلَيْكُمْ غَضَبِي فَيَحِلَّ As a consequence, what will happen? Yahilla. It will become halal. Halla literally means to untie a knot. So imagine a door is closed. Alright, the latch is on. And what happens? You open those doors. So what does it mean? Whatever is inside is not going to come outside. فَيَحِلَّ عَلَيْكُمْ it will unleash on you غَضَبِي my anger, meaning my punishment. If you become greedy, if you transgress, then what will happen? My punishment shall come upon you. You will not be spared. You will suffer the consequences of being greedy. فَيَحِلَّ عَلَيْكُمْ غَضَبِي It will flood open on you. وَمَنْ يَحْلِلْ عَلَيْهِ غَضَبِي And he upon whom my anger descends, فَقَدْ هَوَى then certainly he has fallen. Hawa. Hawa literally means to fall. And what this is referring to is that such a person is ruined. Such a person is destroyed. Such a person is fallen in the sight of Allah. And such a person will fall into the hellfire as well. You see, exceeding the limits, being ungrateful, being greedy, being selfish, all of this, what does it invite? Allah's punishment. And also, when a person is obsessed with the things of this dunya, whether it's food or it's clothes or it's any other thing of this dunya, then this is something that degrades a person. It degrades him. This obsession is a cause of his humiliation in this life also. Because there is no honor in this. There is no honor in what? In being greedy. When a person is greedy, in that greed, there is no honor. In fact, it takes all honor away from such a person. You know, if you see someone eating greedily, what happens? You have a lot of respect for them? No. You don't have any respect left for such a person, right? You're shocked at how they're eating. You're shocked at the amount of food which is in front of them. You're shocked at the amount of food that they're wasting. فَقَدْ هَوَى Such a person falls in the sight of people and in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And people who are giving, who spend, who share, such people increase in their honor. In the sight of Allah and also in the sight of people. Because even children, who do they appreciate? Those who give them. And those who take away from them? No way. 
Those who will share with them, they'll be good friends with them. And those who will snatch things from them, no way, you're not friends with me. I'm not your friend anymore. Right? So generosity is what elevates a person. And selfishness and greed, it humiliates a person. فَقَدْ هَوَى Such a person has fallen. And especially with respect to eating, because eating is mentioned over here. Bad eating habits, excessive eating, or not caring about what you're eating. All of this, you know, it makes your health go down as well. فَقَدْ هَوَى Right? It's detrimental to your health, it's detrimental to your well-being, your honor, everything. Go ahead. I have a question. Um, I was just wondering, you know how you're talking about being greedy and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, you know, sometimes there's just certain things that you don't prefer to share and stuff. Now, it's not because you're greedy and you just want it all for yourself, but it's just preference and stuff. So is there like a particular, where do you lo- draw the line that which should you share it not? Okay. I mean, this is uh, important for us to understand because even children are given this understanding, right? You don't share everything. Have you read the book, We Share Everything? Robert Munch? Okay. So anyway, it's about these uh, kids who go to school and they don't want to share anything and then the teacher keeps telling them that you have to share, you have to share in kindergarten, we share. And then the kids are like, okay, we have to share, so we'll share our clothes, right? So they exchange clothes because they're sharing. So anyway, you have to draw the line somewhere, right? Some things are forgiving, they are for sharing and others are not. And just as in your life, you know, for instance, you don't share medication, you don't share your toothbrushes, you don't share your clothes that you're wearing in the sense that the clothes that are closest to you, okay, a cardigan, a jacket, that's something else, but certain things are not for sharing, right? But you really have to see, you know, for instance, food that I'm eating. This person is, they don't think I have cooties? What is that? Right? There's a term that is used over here. I had no idea when I came here. What is it? Cooties, right? So they don't think I have cooties or something like that. So they're cool eating my food and I'm cool eating theirs. So go ahead and share your food. Right? But every little thing, don't keep it to yourself. Be giving. And have faith in Allah. That if Allah gave you today more than you needed, why would He not give you tomorrow? Why would He not give you tomorrow? Always have faith in Allah. And remember that hadith. Allah says, I am as my servant thinks I am. If you think positively about Allah, you're hopeful, Allah will give me, then Allah will not disappoint you. But if you have doubt in Allah, maybe He won't give me, then okay, that is what you will find. So always remain hopeful. You know, for instance, you go to the store and you get five new pairs of clothes for yourself and your sister and you share the exact same size. And she's looking at your nice sweaters with hasra in her eyes. Come on, you can give her one. What's the big deal? You can. Even if you spent a lot of money, your money, the money that you earned, still give it. What's the big deal? And always you will find that when you give something away, and you have little, you will find that little to be more. Because less is more. Remember this principle in life. Less is more. But if you want more, 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 you will find more to be less. And also, what you have, even if it is little, when you will appreciate it, it will appreciate. You understand? If you appreciate what you have, it will appreciate. Appreciate in the sense that it will grow. 
it will be enough for you. But when you're in that store and you're looking at 20 sweaters and you can only afford to buy two, and you come home and you think, oh, should I give one to my sister? No, I don't want to. Don't. And you will find those two to be less. You give one away, and the one that you have, you will enjoy it. Allah will put barakah in it. Because what you appreciate, appreciates. Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum. I was thinking about uh, the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, give even half of the date to save yourself from the fire. So half of the date, we think, we think it's something small. Sometimes it can cover the hunger too. I was, uh, once I was busy, one of my friends, she bring like small cucumber and she said, have some. I was hungry, subhanAllah, it covered my hunger and I was thinking in my heart, like subhanAllah, how much reward she had. So we shouldn't be little small things. We can, whatever you have, just give it. So inshallah, it will be wait for us, you know. Inshallah. You know, the other day I, I was also very hungry and I was somewhere and there was no food and this person, they said, you know, I have an avocado. And I'm thinking, avocado just by, you know, on its own, but I was too hungry and that's all they had to give me. So I took it and I ate it and I actually enjoyed it a lot. A lot. You know, generally when you have an avocado, you mix it with something, you make a, you know, something out of it, but having it raw like that, as if you were a baby, having baby food, but I enjoyed it. Alhamdulillah. That's all they had to give. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's really true because um, recently I went through my closet and like I gave away all the clothes that either I wasn't wearing or like, like you know, the clothes that I didn't need or they were like taking up too much space. And, and like now I have a limited number of clothes that like I can wear, but still I like that because um, when I look at my closet, I know exactly what to wear. And I know what I wore last time and I know what I need to wear this time. Yes, because then you're just standing in front of your closet wondering, what should I wear, what should I wear? I don't have anything proper, man. You have a closet that is exploding and you think you have nothing proper. Because there's too much stuff. So give so that you can appreciate what you have. talking about, you know, during like the prime time of Islam and everything, there were like, you know, the people in the bazaar who used to do selling and marketing basically at that time, what they do is that once they, for the day, they would work and once they'd see that they had sold enough things, they would just pack up and leave so that other people, you know, so they that can the other people profit. can make profit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were happy. Like today, if you look at marketing, what's happening in the economy and everything, it's really sad. And you know, it's not making anybody happier. Yes. We've just become consumers and we just keep on buying and yes. buying. And yes. And because the worst vessel to fill is which one? Your stomach. Your greed. And the more you fill it, the more unsatisfied you are. Because satisfaction does not come from stuff. It comes by giving. Assalamualaikum. I was just thinking that as much as we have, we should give something to other people. That way they would feel happy. And what we have, we can also feel happy. You shouldn't just keep everything by yourself. You should share. That way you can feel happy. And then that other person will also feel happy. And you don't have to be stressed. Yes. In the, morning. the greatest happiness comes from making someone else happy. Bringing a smile to somebody's face. And when you will give something away, you're reducing stress in your life. Assalamu alaikum. Um, what the sister was touched on before, consumerism, there's not only negatives to that in our own, like in our own soul, we feel like we're just filling an empty vessel, something that just, you can't seem to fill it up. 
we're using items to fill up the void in our hearts and so on and so forth. But other than that, there's so many effects on the people around us, those who are working in sweatshops in countries across the world, children who are being you know, sold to places like that, and just the you know, destruction of the environment overall, creating products like shampoos and so on, throwing chemicals into lakes, into ponds, destroying forests. It's just a degenerative cycle that is just ruining everything overall. I mean, this greed is ruining our lives and ruining the lives of so many people. Assalamualaikum. Uh, recently, we, like, when we moved, um, we found that there's a lot of like, jewelry and stuff that we had to give away and like, just, to, you know, just to make more space because when you end up moving, you often end up cleaning as well. So um, we gave away a lot of the stuff and we, there were actually, it was in a third world country when we were moving. So a lot of the, like we gave it away to some children and you know, subhanAllah, they say like one person's trash is another person's treasure. And it was like for them, it was like Eid had come early. There were children and there were just like earrings and stuff and they were so excited about something so small. Yes. And I think like if we appreciate just those little things, like it also makes you happier. Yes. Um, if you learn to be thankful for like everything that you have instead of counting the things that you don't have. Yes. Subhanallah, that the more we give, I remember, subhanAllah, my dad, like as we were younger, it's so important to raise within children. Like he used to think, he used to ask, like, Is, do you like this so much? We're like, yeah, he will give it away on purpose in front of us when we were younger. And then I, as we grew up, I remember he kept telling us, the more you give what you love, the less you will keep what you don't want. And you will get it back. And Allah subhanAllah, this is like one thing we, I stick to my, till this day. And I realize anything that you give for the sake of Allah, you will even get better than what you gave for the sake of Allah subhanAllah. Very true. And I mean, this is something clear that if you want to be productive, if you want to be efficient, if you want to... Uh, double your productivity and, and double your results, then you have to become a minimalist, right? Uh, when it comes to documents on your computer, when it comes to the number of gadgets that you have, when it comes to the size of your house or the things that you own, the clothes that you have, they have to be of a minimum number. Because otherwise these things will consume you and your work will be neglected. So likewise, when we are concerned with just eating and dressing up and decorating our houses and going from one sale to the other and saving money here and saving money there and buying something just in case we might need it, we are being consumed by these things. And the purpose of our lives, which is serving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is being neglected. Because time is what is being used, right? Either for this dunya or for the deen. So when you will invest your time for the dunya, then certainly your deen will be neglected. So be wise. And see what is of essential value to your life and spend your time getting that. And what is not essential, leave it. Get over it. And tell yourself, I'll enjoy later. In Jannah. And this is something that has to begin early. Like was mentioned just now. Children. Little children even. Mothers over here. And inshallah, mothers to be. Every woman must you know, have this as a goal in her mind. Teach your children to be giving. Sharing. Give to others. Yes, it comes with time, with age. But this is a very important value that children must learn. Because true happiness comes from giving, not from having. So, وَإِنِّي and indeed I لَغَفَّارُونَ Surely a perpetual forgiver. Meaning I continuously forgive. I perpetually forgive. Who لِمَنْ تَابَ Those who repent. Someone who repents to Allah, Allah forgives them over and over and over again. Because obviously someone who repents once doesn't mean that they'll never have to repent again. 
No, they will have to repent again because we're human beings and we are going to make mistakes. You know, you make up your mind, I'm not going to be selfish, I'm not going to be greedy, I'm going to give, but then what happens? You forget, you make a mistake again. So the more often you repent, the more forgiving you will find Allah. وَإِنِّي لَغَفَّارٌ لِمَنْ تَابَ The one who repents, وَآمَنَ And he believes, وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا And he also does righteousness. ثُمَّ اهْتَدَى And then he continues in guidance. This is very important to remember. ثُمَّ اهْتَدَى Because اهْتَدَى It means to adhere to guidance. To adhere to guidance. To hold on to it and not let it go. Alright? And ihtada is also to internalize the guidance that has been given. Now, obviously, you learn something in the deen. And you make up your mind, inshallah, I'm going to stick to this, I'm going to hold on to this, I'm not going to let it go. You're a human being, you're going to make a mistake. Right? So you make a mistake, but then you go back. And your goal, your vision, that doesn't change. You're still adhering to the right way. So the one who is like this, ihtada, then even if he makes a mistake, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive him. The Prophet ﷺ said, I have left two things among you. As long as you hold fast to them, you will never go astray. And what are they? The book of Allah and the sunnah. So the one who holds on to them, he will not be misguided. Because he's ihtada. And the one who leaves them, he does not remain firm on the guidance, then he will go astray. He will not repent. Let's listen to the recitation of these ayat. وَلَقَدْ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى مُوسَى أَنْ أَسْرِ بِعِبَادِي فَاضْرِبْ لَهُمْ طَرِيقًا فِي الْبَحْرِ يَبَسًا لَا تَخَفْ دَرَكًا وَلَا تَخْشِي فَأَتْبَعَهُمْ فِي الْعَوْنُ بِجُنُودِهِ فَغَشِيَهُمْ مِنَ الْيَمِّ مَا غَشِيَهُمْ وَأَضَلَّ فِرْعَوْنُ قَوْمَهُ وَمَا هَدِي يَا بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ قَدْ أَنْجَيْتُكُمْ مِنْ عَدُوِّكُمْ وَوَاعَدْتُكُمْ جَانِبَ الطُّورِ الْأَيْمَنَ وَنَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْكُمُ الْمَنَّ وَالسَّلْوِ كُلُوا مِنْ طَيِّبَاتِ مَا رَزَقَتُكُمْ وَلَا تَطْغَوْا فِيهِ فَيَحِلَّ عَلَيْكُمْ غَضَبِي وَمَنْ يَحْلِلْ عَلَيْهِ غَضَبِي فَقَدْ هَوِي وَإِنِّي لَغَفَّارٌ لِمَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا ثُمَّ اهْتَدِي Did you notice something? What? Right? What does that mean? I saved you. I provided you. I gave you. Right? So the meaning is the same. Alright? And remember that these different qira'at, the Qur'an was revealed in this manner. Alright? The Prophet ﷺ was given the Qur'an in, in different qira'at, in different modes of recitation. And the difference is, are one in the pronunciation, you could say, all right, in the recitation style. And secondly, in some places only, there is a slight difference in the wordings as well. All right? And that really opens up your mind to different, different meanings as well. 
Okay? Remember, this is how it was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ.